Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Talk about taking communion. Taking communion. Do you need something to write with, any? I do. do. All right, so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 24 through 29. Can I get someone to read that for me? Okay. As we're thinking about and looking at communion, I was coming home from work uh, maybe a week ago, and there were things that I had on my mind, petitions that I had before the Lord. And as I was driving, he told me, he said, take communion over that situation before me. And I was like, yes, instantly. I was... I think I pressed the gas pedal a little bit harder <laughs> to get home <laughs> because I was I was going to come home and do just that over the situation that I was um, presenting before the Lord. And he said, wait, I want you to do it for Saturday prayer and worship. So let's look at Nehemiah chapter 9. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 22. Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 18 through 22. Excuse me. And I'll read that one. Even when they made a molded calf for themselves and said, This is your God that brought you up out of Egypt and worked great provocations, yet in your manifold mercies you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud did not depart from them, from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts. So they took possession of the land in Sion and the land of the king of Heshbon and the land of Og, king of Bashan. What is communion for? As believers, it's a time that we remember what Jesus did for us, and we celebrate that in a way of 
holy remembrance um, and remembering the body and the blood of Jesus. Several years ago, I was driving again, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Kamisha, you need to take me as Lord and Savior of everything in your life. And it kind of puzzled me for a moment because I thought, well, I'm saved, Jesus. I'm going to heaven. What are we talking about? And he said, well, you have many areas that apply to your life. It's not just salvation later on. But there's your finances, there's your physical body, your health and your well-being, your children, um, your marriage, your family, you name it. Your destiny of what you will do in the earth, you name it. I need to be Lord and Savior over thing, these things as well. I didn't know or even conceive that I could make God Lord and Savior of overall taking me to heaven versus hell, but eliminate him from being Lord and Savior of my daily walk, my every day. And that message that the Lord gave me, up this, see how you're 20, Kyla, maybe 15 years ago, he said that to me. Um, it stayed with me all this time, and it reminds me to make sure that I'm letting God have entrance or room or place to save those and redeem those areas of my life as well. And not just waiting for the redemption that will come when we transition out of our physical bodies. Salvation is a covenant with the Lord. And covenant is important. It's a contractual relationship that says, it's an agreement that says, I will do this and you will do that. And we agree on it. But salvation is not like any other covenant. The marriage is a covenant. Um, a, a contract that you sign for a house is a covenant. And the durations vary. But the contract of salvation is a covenant, a covenant that's stronger than death. And it will remain on God's part eternally. So we should maintain that covenant in fellowship with the Lord. And... Let's turn to Luke chapter 4. And we're going to go to verses 17 through 19. I'll read that. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I'll go ahead and read verse 20. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. 
and all and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I want to take a look at the words that are some of the words that are listed in verses 18 and 19. We're going to look at what they mean and what they capture. Sometimes words are more in depth than what they show on the page. So I want to just look at those for a second. We're going to look at the word poor. The word poor here means reduced to beggary, begging, asking alms, destitute of wealth, influence, position, honor, lowly, afflicted, destitute of the Christian virtues and external, I mean, internal riches, helpless, powerless to accomplish an end, poor, needy, lacking in anything as respects their spirit, destitute of wealth, of learning and intellectual culture, which the schools afford. Men of this class most readily give themselves up to Christ's teaching and proved themselves fitted to lay hold of the heavenly treasure. I want to look at the word heal. So when we're, we're reading the scriptures in Luke 4, verse 18, when Jesus declared to them that he was coming to set, um, to preach the gospel to the poor, that's who he was talking to. So do you have areas in your life that look like what I just described? Are they reduced to beggary? Begging, asking alms. Are you destitute of wealth, influence, position, honor? Are you feeling, are you lowly, afflicted, destitute of the Christian virtues and eternal riches, helpless, powerless to accomplish an end, poor or needy, lacking in anything, lacking in anything as respects to their spirit or destitute of wealth of learning and intellectual culture, which the schools afford. If you are, he's talking to you. That word poor covers all those areas. Okay. You guys, are you tracking with me? Am I being clear? Does it make sense? <laughs> okay. Ah, okay. Well, amen. Amen. Well, glory to God. <laughs> Let, okay. Hallelujah. Let's look up the word heal. The word heal here is to cure, heal, heal, to make whole to free from errors and sin, to bring about one's salvation. Now, the Hebrew and the Jewish culture, they, they greet each other with shalom, which is a wholeness, nothing missing and nothing broken. No lack, nothing out of place, nothing disjointed, but everything in your life and positioned, what's needed in abundance and overflow. Okay, we're going to look up brokenhearted, which is a compound word. So it has two parts to it. The first broken is break to break in pieces. To tread down, to put Satan underfoot, 
and as a conqueror trample on him, to break down, crush, to tear one's body and shatter one's strength. So we're going to combine that with hearted. The heart, the organ in the animal body, which is the center of circulation of the circulation of the blood and hence has regarded as the seat of physical life, denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life, the vigor and sense of physical life, the center and seat of spiritual life, the soul or mind, as it is the the fountain and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, endeavors, of the understanding, the faculty, and the seat and seat of the intelligence, of the will and character of the soul, so far as it is affected and stirred in a bad way or good, or of the soul as the seat of the sensibilities, affections, emotions, desires, appetites, or passions, of the middle or central or inmost part of anything, even though inanimate. So, is anything on the inside of you broken? Is, the any, is there anything in your physical life, your spiritual life, your soul, your mind, your understanding, your will, your character afflicted? Is it broken? Is it disjointed? He's talking to you. He's talking to me. And the beautiful thing about God, as you see, as we're starting to look at these words, there's no detail too finite for him to care about. There's no detail that his blood did not cover, that his body didn't take the punishment for or provide alleviation to. From this, the simple things of your hair to the great things of your salvation, he's covered it all. We're going to go to the next word, um, deliverance. which means release from bondage or imprisonment. And if I didn't say this before, I'm looking these up in the Greek so we can see the the fullness of what these words capture or depth to it. Forgiveness or pardon of sins, letting them go as if they had never been committed. Remission of the penalty. Let's look up the word blind. Blind or mentally blind? Can you not see beyond what's right in front of you? To look up and see the Lord, to see the grace and the the glory of Jesus Christ? Is your mind oppressed? Having a hard time focusing? Are you distracted by other things? Jesus took care of that. We're going to look up bruised as well. To break, break in pieces, shatter, smite through. Is there any territory of your life that appears shattered? It's broken. It's not functioning properly. And no matter what you do, you can't get it to go forward or go right. It's broken. Jesus took care of that. We're going to move into verse 19 of Luke chapter 4. Let's look at the word year. 
it means a year. In a wider sense, for some fixed, definite period of time. What's the time frame of faith? Do you know? Now. Now. It's not tomorrow. That makes it hope. It's not yesterday. Because yesterday is gone. It's now. So now is the acceptable year of the Lord. And finally, let's look at that word, Lord. It says, He to whom a person or thing belongs, to which he has power of deciding, master, Lord, the possessor and disposer of a thing, the owner, one who has control of the person, the master, in the state, the sovereign, prince, chief, the Roman emperor, is a title of honor expressive of respect and reverence, with which servants greet their master. This title is given to God, the Messiah. Now, as we're thinking about all those words and what they mean, I'm going to read Luke 4, verses 18 and 19 again. Actually, I'll start at 17. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I forgot a word that I want to look up. I want to look up oppressed. And that's the word captives. And it just means anybody who's held captive. Are you a prisoner? Are you trapped by thoughts, bad habits, a negative environment, bad surroundings, debt, weakness? Jesus took care of that. And the interesting about the word Lord that stood out to me is that God gave Jesus, when he read this, he declared it and made it known to them, but he gave Jesus in his ministry, but in his place as Messiah, sufficient power and authority in the earth to do everything listed in those scriptures to everybody who would allow him. Jesus wasn't devoid of the capability of meeting every single one of those needs in one and all. Now, we must give him authority to do those things for us. Just like we took salvation to get to heaven versus hell, allowing the authority of Jesus 
to have sufficient room and reign and permission to carry these things out in every aspect of our life. For example, I'll go, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to talk about my language right now. You can't touch that, Jesus. You just stick to taking me to heaven. I want to go to heaven, but I don't talk about my finances right now because you can't touch that. Just stay out of there. This is your zone over here, Jesus. You just take me to heaven. Well, as Lord, we heard what Lord meant. He is the owner, the possessor, the disposer. That's an interesting word right there. That means not only does he own it, but he has a right to throw it away, to dispose of it if he wants to. Now, we know he doesn't throw us away. Because he said he receives all that come to him and by no means does he cast us out. But he has the right to go, hey, this is not working in line with what I want for you. And as Lord, he has the right to do that. So it's important that we give him authority to do what he came to do. Now, I want to look at Galatians 3.13 and talk about a couple of things as we're looking at taking communion. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And then let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 19. And it says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. We know that's talking about Adam is the first who allowed the sin nature to come into the world, which brought the curse into the world. And then Jesus is the one who has redeemed us from the curse. And the law that they were referring to in Galatians is the law of sin and death. It includes the curse that comes with the Mosaic law, but the bigger law that overshadows is the law of sin and death that came in by um, Adam's disobedience in the garden. And then let's look at Romans 8, 1 and 2 as well. It's one of my favorite scriptures. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. 
for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So we have confirming by two or more witnesses or let every word be established. So we have confirmation that Jesus took all these things for us. And like I shared previously, when God reminded me to take communion over the, the thing, the, the, uh, the petition that I had before him, it reminded me to appropriate the blood of Jesus to cover that area. Because I know it, it puts me in remembrance that his blood is capable of doing everything that God designed it to do. It's capable of handling every situation. And that he took that bruising for me. He took the struggle. He took the difficulty. He took the pain for me. So now it's just my job to enter into that rest by remembering what he's already done. So, I would like everyone to take their piece of paper and their pencil and write down, is there anything that you have been looking at in the course of your time and your life that has been a struggle to overcome? Anything that you are petitioning God concerning that you need that extra oomph to come over it, to conquer it and overcome? Is there any area that maybe has been unknowingly left out of the sovereignty of God, of Jesus Christ, his place and position as master and Lord that he hasn't been able to touch? And write those things down. And for those that are listening, I want you to take communion over those things. Write them down and look at them and match them up against the word of God and see, is this covered? I venture to say yes, because his blood did it all. And our job is to appropriate the blood of Jesus and look at his blood as holy. It is holy, no doubt. And communion is holy and it's sacred, but it's not untouchable. It's not off limits for us. It's there for us to come into, to run into. The throne of grace is his blood. Run into it. And as we look over um, scriptures that cover communion, specifically in Corinthians, and it talks about the blood in the body and not reverencing his blood, taking it in an unworthy manner, He's saying, are you taking it in faith or not? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to, to please God. Those that come to him must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when you come to take the blood of Jesus, don't shy away from him. Come into him. Press into the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have not forgiven anybody to include yourself, do so. Not because they have a right to it, not because they deserve it. it has nothing to do with that. They don't they are in the same boat that you are or I am. I don't deserve forgiveness any more than the next person. But yet I still heartily 
come and readily ask for it and expect it from my heavenly father. So how much more so should I freely give it to my neighbor? Whether they knowingly or unknowingly committed harm or acts against me. So forgive because that's what the Lord asked for. That's what he requires. Trust him that he's able to mend the brokenhearted. The unworthy manner that Jesus was, the, the scriptures were referring to is not perfection, as in being flawless. Perfection is just doing what God asked you to do. And believing him, he asked you to trust him. And do the things that he asked for. And a big one of those is forgiveness. <laughs> So, are there bad habits in your life? Financial difficulties? Maybe you're believing God for a house. When we read in Matthew 6, where he talked about don't worry, one of the first things on that list is where you're going to live. Which is actually what I happen to be talking to him about. My, my dream home, you know, where the places, the place that I would like to live. And he said, Kamisha, come take communion over that. And I said, ooh, yes, hallelujah. Step on the gas, let's go. And I slow down for the speed limit. But he was like, wait, <laughs> take it together with the rest of my body um, that you fellowship with so we can all have that benefit and that blessing of doing that. Well, unless anybody has any questions, I think that's all I have to say about that for right now. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.